So the last, if you've missed it, I'm going to catch you up. I'm going to recap you. The last few weeks, we've talked about the house rules. And what the house rules are for the harbor, for our youth ministry, is simply not rules that we like, hey, we want you to abide by this, but rather we, things we want you to come to expect out of this place. Those things, there's three things, three R's. It's rest, it's refocus, and tonight we're going to talk a little bit about risk. That we want you to come to this place and be able to drop any act that you've had to put on. That we want you to come to this place to be able to relax, to take a deep breath, to rest your minds, rest your hearts. Come in front of Jesus, learn about who Jesus is, worship Jesus, and just be able to be you and who God made you to be and to find rest in that. We also believe that when you stand before Jesus and you rest in his presence and who he is, he will begin to refocus your hearts and your minds. That what you thought the direction you needed to head, our hope is that you would come to this place and that you would find an opportunity for God to refocus you and say, no, 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 where you've been going, what you've been pursuing, the things you're prioritizing, and they're a little off. I'm calling you somewhere different, somewhere better. And here's what I believe. And here's what God's word shows is that any time that we rest in Christ, that we say, Jesus, I want to make you the Lord of my life, like, and I just want to spend time in your presence resting in who you are and who you call me to be. And, and anytime Jesus refocuses our minds, he's always going to call us to a place of risk. Just know that. Any of you in here, any of you students who say, man, I've come to know Jesus, then you should know this is going to be true about you. Anyone in here, you're like, man, I don't know Jesus, but that girl's cute, so I came tonight. You need to understand, if you're considering knowing Jesus, if you're considering this God person that we're talking about, then you need to understand that he's going to call you to a place of risk, that he's not calling you to an easy, happy, get uh, a rich life. That's just not, that's not God's purpose for you. That's not his plan for you. He's going to call you to, to, to a place of risking worldly expectations, risking worldly avenues for the sake of heavenly gain. He's always going to do that. When I think about risk, one story comes to mind. One story comes to mind when I think about risk. I was about seven years old. Some of you may have heard this story before. I shared it a while back. I was in Chuck E. Cheese. Seven years old in Chuck E. Cheese, me and my brother, we are owning the Chuck E. Cheese tunnels, right? We are flying through this. Now, you need to understand my brother um, had a, he still does, has like the biggest head a human could ever have. Um, they, he looked like a human bobblehead, okay? And like, this isn't something I would tell him to his face, all right? And, and he had these big glasses, like any of you girls would see my seven-year-old brother, as a, my brother as a seven-year-old, he's like 36 now, but you'd see him as a seven-year-old and you'd be like, that kid is adorable. Like he's cute, he's punchable, he's cute though. Like he's adorable. So me and my brother, we're, we're, we're running through the tubes and we come to the, one of those tubes that like kind of gets wide and you got like a couple different little avenues, like a little tube hangout area. I'm not really sure what they're for. And we get to this, this intersection and a, a kid and this, his like little like minion buddy, like they come through the tunnels and they stop and we try to go around them and they kind of like go to the side and we like try to go around them and they keep blocking us. They're not saying a word, weirdest interaction. And my brother, I guess, just had like a little bit of intuition about what was happening. I'm like, what's going on in this tunnel? And my brother looks at me and he says, 
Caleb, run. And I was like, what? So I take off running, right? Instant, I do what any good brother would do. I leave him behind. I'm like, bye. I'm pro at running through these tunnels. I run through the tunnels. I get to the bottom. I go out the slide. I'm standing outside, like looking up at the tunnel, like what, what part of the tunnel were we in? I'm thinking, I just left my brother to die in a Chuck E. Cheese tunnel. <laughs> like, it's, it's funny now, but literally then I was like, he's dead. Like, I left him. Like, I, ha- I had so much, I still kind of sh- like have a little bit of guilt. So not too much long afterwards, my brother comes down the same slide crying. Right, he is crying. And I said, I said, Josh, his name's Josh. I said, what happened? He said, he punched me in the face. And I was like, what the, what is happening? And so we go tell my dad, and we're like, dude, this kid punched him in the face. And I'm sure my dad was like, you're supposed to, I'm not proud, like, I don't think he was very proud of us. And, um, and then we find the kid's mom, and this kid has barricaded himself in the Chuck E. Cheese tunnel. He's not coming out. He won't come out at all. Finally, about 10 minutes, he like realizes, oh no, these tunnels are like 10 feet long. I have to come out eventually. He comes out and we're like, why did you punch him in the face? And he says, I just wanted to break his glasses. <laughs> I don't know, right? Like, you're like, what in the world? All I know is that I was unwilling to take a risk because I didn't trust my ability. I was like, dude, you know what? If it's you or me, it's you. I'm down. I'm, not, I'm out. Right? Like, I'm not, I'm not doing it. But it leads me to the question of tonight. What does it take for you to make a risk? Like, like what is it? What, what needs to happen? What reassurances need to happen in any given situation for you to take a risk? Like, I think, like, one comes to mind, like a rock wall. We're going to Triple R Ranch with high school on March 6th, and we have, a, there's a rock wall in there. Like, what would it take for you to take the risk to climb the rock wall? What reassurances do you need? Like, do you need to know, okay, this harness, that's awesome. But it's also a self-belaying harness, meaning there's a break in that thing that it'll, it'll slow you down. But what happens if that doesn't work? Yeah, so what reassurances do you need to know that this harness is going So hold me, do you have to watch someone else do it? Do you gotta like watch someone heavier go up first? Or like, what about going out for a new sports team, right? You're gonna apply and you're going to try out for a team. Like what reassurances do you need to make that risk? Like, do you need to know that there's a lot of people less able than you? Like what, what, what assurances in any risk you've taken or will take, you can go back and list, okay, here's the reason why. I was sure of these things, that if I failed, if things went bad, I would only hit this wall because I knew that these things were unchanging based on the risk I would take. I want to take it a step further. What Assurances would you need to take a risk if you knew that other people's lives were on the line? What, what would you do? What would that take for you? What, 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 what would it take for you to make a risk if you knew that the whole country was on the line? Like, what would you need to know in order to take that risk that you knew a whole country would be changed because of you? What if the Lord was calling you to do something? Like, what if God was calling you to do and to take a risk? Like, what assurances would you need then? 
Like you read in God's word constantly all throughout it, he calls these men to go and these women to go and take these risks. Like what assurances do you need in order to take a risk like that? What do you need to know about God? I think back, um, first school shooting that I ever remember hearing about. I was in middle school. It was Columbine High School. And it was, it was like the first like, one that like really got publicized and, and it was tragic and we're watching the news and it's coming out about it. And it's just this horrific event and a story comes out about the shooting that there was a girl in the library and the shooter comes up to the girl and places his weapon to her head and he says, are you a Christian? And in that moment, what felt like a normal day then became a high stakes decision. That there was a lot to risk. If she said no, she would live. If she said yes, she was certain to die. What would you need to know to be honest about your faith in that moment? Would you need to know about eternal life? Would you, would you, how certain would you have to be about what God says about heaven? Or, or, or maybe that God is always with you or that God goes before you. Like, what would you need to know to make that risk? She took the risk and she died. It all comes down to this. When God calls you to take a risk, it all comes down to this. How much do you trust his promises? How much do you trust the promise where they speak of heaven and say it is far greater than earth? How much do you trust the promises that if you place your faith in Jesus, your sins are truly forgiven or that God will give you what you need for what he calls you for? How much do you trust that God actually is going before you and preparing a way for you? How much do you believe that if God is for you, then nothing in this world could ever stand against you. See, whether you're willing to take the risk or not that God calls you to, which he will call you to, will be dependent on how much we trust God's promises. If we believe in his promises, then we will take the risk. But if we doubt God's promises, then we will hesitate to take the risk. It reminds me when I think of God's word and I think of the word risk, I think of one story in God's word and it involved three men. Some of you are probably really familiar with this story. Some of you may have never heard the story, but I guarantee most of you have never thought of the story in this way. It was these three men who had been taken captive by Babylon. They were slaves. They had been um, changed. Like when Babylon took people, this is what they did. If they took you as an American, they would change your name. They would change your hairstyle. They would change your dress. They would break every part of you down to rebuild you, to look and act and speak and believe like them. Every part of you. This is now your home. This is now who you are. You don't want it. I don't care. You live and you be this way or you die. And it came to a point where the king, this guy's name was Nebuchadnezzar, he built a statue of himself and he, he demanded that the whole country would worship him. And it was big and it was gold. 
He says, when the flutes and the the music goes, everybody hits their knees and you worship. So the flute and the music went and everybody hit their knees except for three men. And their name was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they sat there and it says that word came to the king that these men were not worshiping. So the king calls them to speak with them. And this is what it says. This is, if you have a Bible, you can open it. Daniel 3 Verse 14, it says, Nebuchadnezzar asked them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is it true that you don't serve my gods or worship the gold statue I have set up? Now, if you're ready, now if you're ready, when you hear the sounds of the horn and the flute and the whatever instrument and the lyre and the harp and the drum and every kind of music, fall down and worship the statue I made. But if you don't worship it, you will be immediately thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. And who is the God who can rescue you from my power? Who's the God? You understand, that's, that's a big lie of our day. Who's the God that can rescue you from this? And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to give you an answer to this question. What they said is, our God is not dependent on any human person, that there is nothing any opposing person can do to to influence or move the hand of God in the life of man. There's nothing that God could do that would separate me from him, that would separate his power from me. There's nothing. I don't even need to answer you. Then they go on. They said, if the God we serve exists, if God's real, then he can rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire and he can rescue us from the power of you, king. Listen, this is the coolest part. He says, but even if he does not rescue us, we want you as king to know that we will not serve your gods or worship a golden statue you set up. I just want to be honest. That is a crazy answer. Like these dudes were not focused on the most that they could get out of life. Like these are not men who said, man, I want to get the most money, the best career, the best grades, the best sports. I want to be the best, look the best, act the best, be be thought of as the best, like let me get the most out of this life. They were not focused on that. They didn't care about any of that. Their focus was somewhere completely different. Because if their focus was on the most they could get out of life, they would have never been in this situation in the first place. If they cared most about getting out of getting the most out of life, then what would they have done? They would have hit their knees. And then here's what the Christian answer would have been. Then they would have gone to their rooms after they worshiped the false God and they would have asked God for forgiveness and he's gracious and he would forgive them and they wouldn't have to risk anything for God. That's what we want to tell ourselves is okay. But their focus was completely different. These dudes, they stood for something. And their goal was not to preserve this life. That wasn't their goal. It wasn't like, how can I make this life the best life it could ever be? That wasn't it. But rather, they were focused on eternity. 
and their ability. Listen, this is, this is where I really need you to like tune in. Their ability to take a wild risk came only out of their relationship with God. So here's what I mean. Here's what I mean. This wasn't just a brave moment for dudes. Like this wasn't a brave moment for these three guys who were like, okay, let's be brave. We're gonna do this. We're gonna be brave in this moment. We're probably gonna die, but let's just do something brave. It wasn't that. This was rather a, a, a solid confidence. They made the decision, not because it was just a brave moment, which it was brave, but it wasn't out of a, being just a brave person. Rather, they were people who had a solid confidence in who God was and in the relationship with the God that they knew. See, these are guys who knew God personally, who worshiped God regularly, who spoke with God normally, who had a time with God and out of their relationship of who they knew God to be, they acted confidently. And they said, man, we don't have to be brave because we can be confident in who God is and what he's calling from us. It was a solid confidence in the God they knew personally. Paul puts it this way. Paul's a guy who wrote like most of the New Testament and he wrote to this church in Philippi and it's called Philippians. The note, the letter he wrote is called Philippians. And a part of Philippians, he says, I know how to get along. And something that like all like, it's all basic Christians put on their letter jacket, right? Philippians 4, 13. Philippians 12 and 13, it says, I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity and in, and in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. He says, I've learned the secret to surviving, whether it's really good things or whether it's really bad things. I've learned the secret. Here's the secret. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. He says, here's what I've learned. That in Christ, he will give me what I need for what he's called me for. So you need to understand, he says, in, in my relationship with Christ... I can risk anything. I can do anything because I'm going to remain rooted in who Jesus is and in the power of Jesus and what Jesus is directing me to. This is the reason that we told you about rest and about refocus before we told you about taking a risk. Because we risk out of our rest and our refocus. I need you to hear that. We risk out of our rest and our refocus. Those who hesitate to risk likely are not regularly resting in the presence of Jesus. If you're someone who you know God is calling you to tell someone at school about Jesus, God is calling you to love a friend well, God is calling you to do something that seems abnormal and risky in our worldly sense, but it's for heavenly purposes, and you are hesitating, there is a strong chance that you are not regularly resting in Jesus and allowing him to refocus your priorities. See, because those who regularly rest in Jesus know Jesus. And when you know Jesus, you know he is a God of his word. 
that you know that he is powerful and that he will provide what you need when you need it. You know that he's calling you for a greater purpose. You know that there is a plan that is much bigger than you. But it's only when you spend time saying, God, I'm going to wake up this morning. God, I'm going to sit in quiet. And God, I'm going to rest in your presence. God, I want to know you. I'm going to open my word and not my phone. God, I, I, I want to understand your plans for me. God, I'm going to have godly conversations and ask people about the things I'm learning when they're confusing. God, I'm going to pray and speak to you honestly and openly. It's when we rest that Jesus refocuses. And when we refocus, we are willing and faithful to take a risk because we realize that he is faithful to not abandon or leave us and that he has much greater things than we have planned. So let me close with this. This is, this is how we want this place to be. That we want this to be a place where you come and just a sample of what it looks like for your week, where you would come and you would rest, that you would come and find refocus, and then you would come and be encouraged to take a risk, that you would risk the worldly for the heaven. This is some, for some of you a total priority shift. And here's the wildest part. Here's the wildest part. I just need you to understand this. I need you to just dream with me for a second. Here's the wildest part is that your decision to take a risk and to be obedient to Jesus will always affect more people than you think. It will always affect more people than you think. Your willingness to risk and to take a risk in obedience to Jesus will always affect more people than you think. Even if they say, you're like, you know Jesus? And they're like, get out of my face. I it's always going, it will never return void. I'm telling you, it always affects more people than you think. If you go to this story, which we're gonna close with, is that what happens then to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, if you've never heard it, is they get thrown into the fire. They're like, yo, if our, our God will save us, and even if he doesn't, we're not worshiping you. And Nebuchadnezzar's so angry, he chunks them into the fire with his... his uh, Servants throw them in the fire. It's so hot, the servants die by throwing them into the fire. Nebuchadnezzar, instead of seeing three men laying at the bottom of this furnace burning alive, he sees four men walking around in the furnace untied. Of course, that's weird. And so he says, hey, why don't y'all come out of there? And so they come out of there, not even smelling like smoke, not looking like burn. It's as if nothing had ever happened. And here is Nebuchadnezzar's response. Nebuchadnezzar explained, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angels and he rescued his servants who trusted in him. He said, whose God can save you? Now he's saying, praise your God. He says they violated the king's commands and risked their life and then they'd rather risk their life than serve or worship any God except their own God. Therefore, I issue a decree. I issue a new decree that anyone of, uh, that anyone of any people, nation, or language who says anything offensive against their God will be torn limb from limb. 
and his house made into a garbage dump. Like, I'm not sure the point of that. Like, we're going to kill him, and then we're going to, like, throw our trash in his house. For there is no other God who is able to deliver like this. They, had, they weren't going for like, let's have an evangelistic moment and change a country. They were like, you know what, God, we're risking for you. You're calling us not to worship anyone else but you. So God, we're trusting you in it. And in result, a whole country was changed from a radical decision three men made to honor the God of this world who says, I'm with you and I will go before you. Here's the thing, you're here now, I'm here now because 12 men did a very similar decision and they said, God, you're calling us to be abnormal, to speak against the current religion. God, you're calling us to speak the truth of Jesus. And what happened is millions of people came to know this Jesus and trust him and walk with him and, and love him and be in relationship with him personally. That it would be foolish to think that if you went and risked for the heavenly and sacrificed the worldly, that it would not impact more people than you think. And what we want for this place is that your rest and your refocus would start right here. That it would start right here with you saying, I'm going to get out of my comfort zone. I'm going to go to my small group. I'm going to share. I'm going to love. I'm going to encourage. I'm going to pray with. I'm not going to make fart jokes. Instead, I'm going to say, hey, like, who is Jesus to you? How can I help you follow him? Here's how you can help me. And here's the thing. It starts here, but it doesn't end here. It continues. It continues. And this is the last thing. It continues with you making your vertical relationship with God. A bigger priority than any horizontal relationship with man. It's saying, God, I'm going to make you this relationship more of a priority than any of my grades, than any of my goals, than any of my sports teams, my girlfriends, my boyfriends, any of my other relationships. God, I want this to be a priority before this is a priority. And when this is a priority, it changes these relationships. So as you leave, where are you hesitating to bring Jesus? Because it would require a risk. I'm going to pray. God, thank you for this time. Thank you for these students. Be with us in our small groups. God, accomplish a lot in a little. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.